it's good to see the increase in the football that's on TV, I suppose, and yeah. the rugby, the women's rugby that's on TV. But as you say, no, it's not close to being equal. Um, but no, it's a, it's an interesting point. If you think about back to your playing or spectating, um, no, sorry. If you think about what's your been your favourite sports memory as a player or spectator? As a player or spectator, I mean, I could be completely self-indulged here and just talk about the best goal that I've ever scored, but I don't think that's quite what the question's about. Um, I would have to say um, watching the GB women win gold at the Rio Olympics because I have played with or against um, some of those players. Um, I've also, with my previous career, seen some of those players come up from junior level. So some of them were playing uh, in my hockey competitions from under 16 age and they were in that kind of gold medal winning team and I have watched them you know ever since I was a teenager I've watched them play um, and I just I knew when they got silver in the Euros that they lost out to the Dutch in the final um, that they had it within them to beat the Dutch the majority of that game at the Euros they were equal with the Dutch for the first time. Obviously, it was a very defensive equal. Uh, the ball really didn't come out of um, England's half in terms of that. But I, at that point, I started to believe that we could beat them. You know, you play, they, they play the Dutch quite often, really, in all the different competitions. And all it takes is one match, one match to beat them. You can beat any team on a one-off occasion if you work hard enough. And um, and and so when it came to the Olympics, I didn't dare to believe that they could win. I, I was very pessimistic, and I'm such an optimistic person. But I almost, you know, I've obviously seen them in lots of different finals, um, and most of the time, I've seen them miss out on that gold medal. And I wanted it so badly for them um, and for our sport. And I think that's what stopped me at the time from believing. And even when we went to the penalties. I was like, oh, my God, why is she taking a penalty? <laughs> you know, oh, goodness me, this is not going to go well. And um, when Harley Webb took the final penalty, I was literally behind a cushion. I could not watch. I felt so physically sick. And when she scored it, it was an, a phenomenal penalty. I mean, it's one of the best penalties I've ever seen taken. Really, really simple, but well-executed skills. Um, and with a little bit of deception in there. And... And I just couldn't believe it. I went into shock when they won. Like, my dad was screaming, I think. And so was my, you know, my husband was, like, jumping up and down. And I was just stunned into silence because it's a moment that, you know, I guess with my career I've been working to with that team for a long period of time, albeit in a very different role. And, um, and I knew it was going to change um, the face of our sport. And I was actually listening to um, a Game Changers podcast the other day, which is um, by someone called Sue Anstis, which is all about kind of women's sport and trying to kind of gain equality. And um, Sally Monday, the chief exec or the previous chief, chief exec of England's hockey, was saying that that gold medal um, saw participation double in female hockey players. So from that point, their data that they had uh, double the number of women now play hockey because of that moment. And I just think that is hugely phenomenal. That is. That really is. Gosh. If we um, bring 
HSB into it then. What's been your favourite sporting memory involving HSB? This one's going to be a weird one and my under-14 team are probably going to hate me for this because I've had so many great memories with them and, you know, I can think of individual moments of absolute brilliance and, um, you know, games where we kind of came back from nothing to uh, dig deep and win and believe in ourselves. But to me, the thing that I have enjoyed the most was um, the under-7s minis tournament that I took the boys to um, in March before school shut. We went to um, Manchester Grammar School and, yeah, yeah. Oh, the year, the year no, seven, yeah, yeah, sorry, the year seven. seven yeah. not, year seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and it was a group of... Uh, quite a lot of them played football, but they played a bit of hockey. They certainly, you know, weren't players that would be able to get onto the under-14 team because, um, you know, it, that's kind of like two-year groups up, isn't it? Um, and honestly, some of the talents that I saw that day was incredible. Um, they are such a talented bunch, and I guess I'm really quite excited for the future to see where they go. But uh, this is talking about kids that haven't played hockey that much. Um, they played a bit at primary school. Some of them have played mm. a little bit in club, but most, like the goalkeeper, literally picked picked it up for that tournament. He had two, three sessions, and he's now actually joined a club as a result of it. Um, but the talent that kind of came from that multi-sport background um, was incredible, and that's yeah. why I kind of always say, don't just choose one sport. It's important that you do multiple sports I know that I've talked a lot about hockey but I do play other sports and especially as a child I did every sport I took on every opportunity and because those skills are so transferable and and that's why that year seven team were so talented Um, and I just think it got me really excited about the future of AGSB sport what I love about that story Mm. is the uh the goalkeeper that's joined on the back of an experience he's had from school, thanks to you, thanks to well, whichever member of staff does does a sporting um, club, but those people that take it further um, and join the club, it's, uh, it's that's yeah. fantastic. That's what it, it's that is what it's about. He's been really. a goalkeeper at other sports, um, but you know, obviously, there's something about hockey that he just you know really clicked with and thought, no, this is the sport for me. Like, you never really know what sport you're made for. And that's why it's important to give all sports a go because there are so many different sports out there. And I would hate to think that I'd gone through my whole life not realising my potential and which sport was actually the sport for me. So never turn down an opportunity because you don't know where that's going to take you. Good advice. Um, Which do you prefer then, teaching or coaching? It's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard. Um, I mean, they both have their advantages. I would say I'm probably still in my honeymoon period as a teacher um, because this has been my third year of teaching plus training. So I'm still a fairly young, new teacher. Um, And I would say I probably, um, at the moment, would say I prefer teaching. Um, And not just because it's maths, but... Um, you know the ability to kind of day on day see people improve and the amount of intelligent things that our boys kind of say in lessons just really inspires me Um, you know that they always think about things in a slightly different way to me or they come up with a different method um, and I just I gain quite a lot from how motivated 
our students are in a classroom environment, how they, you know, sit there and listen, how they get involved in a task, no matter what you ask them to do, they're always keen to kind of give things a go. Um, and I just, it makes me kind of look back and I just wish I could do it all again, really, and go back to school. I just think they are in such yeah. a perfect place in their life. And most of them probably don't realise kind of, you know, what a great environment they are in and how great they actually are. And I think that's something that I try and uh, tell them quite often is how good they are. I think it's really important to my teaching because all the pupils at our school, even if you're kind of like, you know, in the bottom sets for maths, you're still brilliant at maths compared to the rest of this country. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. It's exactly the same in sport. Um, you know, we have got some absolutely phenomenal um, sporting talent at our school compared to the rest of the country. And sometimes because you're surrounded by people that are better than you, you think that you're not that great. Um, and actually, I just think they've all got the world at their feet. They're so talented at so many different things at our school. And I would love the opportunity to go back and be kind of, you know, 12 again and do it all again with a different kind of outlook on, on the environment I was in. That's That message is something that we're trying to um, think, think about at, in PE and sport at the school, is making sure that everyone has a clear yeah. understanding of how good they actually are. Yeah. Um, and they're not getting themselves down about it. Uh, when they're not, when they're not starting on the first fifteen or first eleven football, first eleven hockey, they are still very mm. very good um, at what they're doing. Um, now you've obviously been at AGSB for three years now. Um, what I want you to do now is comment on the strengths of the AGSB sports program and any areas well, for potential I, I definitely improvement. Say, to kind of go back to what we've just said. It's the diversity. I cannot believe how much we offer, um, especially through extracurricular. Um, it's I think it's amazing, really, that there's so many different competitions, so many different age groups, um, and to kind of be able to churn all of that out in so many different sports is, um, it pretty much replicates what you would get at a private school. And just to put into perspective, because some of our pupils might not understand the difference, private school have lots of money, so they pay coaches to come in. There was um, a hockey competition that me and Albert were at. Obviously, I'm a member of staff and he's a coach and we're quite lucky to have him as a coach we're very very lucky to have him as a coach and um, one of the other schools had four members of staff there out of school for one team and you know that's because two of them were coaches they were paid they weren't teachers they were paid to be there um I would also say the massive advantage that AGSB has is the facilities and some of the boys, again, if you think back to when you were at school, um, AGSB had nothing. It literally had a sports field. That was it, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it has a very small gymnasium. Absolutely, because my, my brothers went to um, AGSB as well. And I came to watch them play sports quite regularly, actually, um, because I was so sporty myself. And we, you know, sit and watch them play cricket or whatever. And... Um, I remember in my year group at school, there were a couple of boys, uh, Aussie boys, who were England's hockey players, and yet they didn't play hockey at school. Uh, they didn't have an AstroTurf. Um, we certainly had nothing like the sports uh, mm. centre that's now in place, where you can play badminton before school, you can go to the gym, you know, you can do kind of team yoga. Um, there's so many opportunities that have come through facilities that 
we probably take for granted. And if you think about taking all those facilities away and replacing them with a field and, as you said, a badminton court-sized gym, then we are so lucky to be in that situation. So it's not just the diversity, but it's also the facilities to be able to do that and that we don't have to, you know, go too far out to hire other facilities, which obviously come at cost. Um, and I think the final thing that I would say are, you know, the kind of the extra bits, so the tours and... I would absolutely love to get a hockey tour going. And I know that's something that you're uh, passionate about as well. Um, but those are the experiences. When you yeah. listen to like Mr. Birchall's podcast and he talks about his experiences on tour, um, you can see what a massive impact it's made to him as a person. It's not, this is not just about sport. It's not just about making friends. It's not just about being good and scoring good goals. But it is that whole cultural and you learn so much about yourself when you go on tour and you know again that's something that a lot of state schools don't necessarily um offer their pupils um and it's something that's a massive advantage i don't really see our sports department like a normal state school i actually think um they are more like a private school and when i see some of the tweets um on twitter about private schools with their own little leagues i want to like comment well we could be part of that league and we do just as well as you're doing <laughs> uh, because we we do we compete with massive budgets massive facilities ma massive investment and time i guess as well if you're at a boarding school as well and yet we still manage to compete with those as a state school i think it's phenomenal no i i completely agree um what we are i think it was um dan Birchall again said that we punch above our our weight with what we we do but going back to the touring i'm the number one fan of tours for for sports development pupil development anything like that it's they are absolutely unbelievable you see boys progress so much personally and sports wise from the start to the end and the memories that you can create whilst out there is uh is superb and as you said as you touched on there that the hockey tour is something that's in the pipeline hopefully touch wood um it should be up and running over the next couple of years depending yeah. on how <laughs> the current situation pans out um so what can what can pupils expect so when they turn up to one of the training sessions because um albert leads our training sessions um but i guess my role because uh, we kind of you know he leads the session um, and what I tend to do um, is work with those who kind of, you know, haven't got quite as much experience. Um, and so if you, you know, if you're pretty good at hockey and you play at a club regularly, you're probably not necessarily um, always in my group. Um, but what you will get if you um, are kind of in my group um, is a huge amount of encouragement, a huge amount of praise. It will definitely be fun. Um, you might even get a little demonstration from me at some point um, if I get a bit jealous and want to join in. <laughs> um, but basically just um, encouragement, encouragement to get involved. And it's the same in the math classroom. I really don't mind people making mistakes. I make them all the time. Um, that's how we learn. And, um, and if you want to kind of learn new skills, um, try a new sport you might never have played hockey before it might seem a bit daunting um, you will st soon pick it up if you kind of come to one of my sessions and it will be done in a very friendly and safe um, way you know you won't be thrown in at the deep end necessarily um, and that's something that I'm trying to encourage is that we almost have like you know the players that 
can play already uh, training with each other and then the ones that aren't quite so confident yet having a safe place that they can kind of learn and develop at their own speed so if money was no object then what one piece of equipment or facility would you think would aid think, your coaching um, the most I would get joe wicks in <laughs> or someone someone like that i mean um i'm really fortunate at all my clubs i um off season i've had access to a personal fitness coach um or the team has um i've had loads of training programs um which i don't appreciate at the time but I, especially with a um, game like hockey, you know, you watch the EHL, uh, you watch the World League, um, particularly in the men's side of the game, fitness is about 80% of the game. Like they have all these incredible skills, don't get me wrong, and they sometimes come out, but the majority of the game is literally running um, and running and running and running and then a bit more running. Um, and, and, and therefore, I think um, to get a team to that next level, um, and that next level involves, you know, really competing, starting to win things, really seeing a difference in your personal development. It would be a fun and engaging um, personal fitness coach. So I don't mean, um, you know, doing sprint reps necessarily. I don't mean, you know, having to do 10K uh, in a certain time. I mean playing a little game. Um, so like there's kind of ones called roller hockey. It's a little bit like tag rugby really except you can go forward and the idea is you kind of roll the ball along the floor so that you're engaging your quads which are really important for hockey um and um you know or even something like um i say netball but without being restricted to your individual spaces and if you play that really hard over say a quarter of a hockey pitch with a few other people it is fun um you, you literally uh, can't breathe through running and laughing um because you know you're not supposed to be netball players you're not supposed to be roller hockey players um and it really does get you very very fit but you're doing it in a way where you're not noticing the pain quite so much or you are noticing the pain but you care more about the fact that um the opposition are about to score and you want to stop them um so fitness to me doesn't it shouldn't ever be um painful and just painful it should be fun and i really do believe if you've got people that have the right motivation in your club um then you can make fitness fun if you have people that don't have the right motivation then unfortunately fitness probably isn't fun so again that's another reason for changing your mindset it actually allows your coaches to do things that are more fun with you because um they don't have to keep you going and keep you pushing because you will do that through enjoyment and competitiveness <laughs> very interesting i'll see what joe wicks is up to see if we can um I asked the, the same three questions to everybody that's on the podcast then. So what advice would you give to the September starters Definitely about getting the most out of AGSB sport? Sports. Um, sports you haven't done before, sports that you have done. Maybe choose a different sport every week to start off with. Um, try in different facilities as well. So um, some of our pupils probably use a lot of the outdoor facilities quite regularly, but they might not use the indoor facilities too much. So, you know, go to the gym, check it out, see what's on. Um, and also, more importantly, is get to know different people. So get to know different coaches and get to know different pupils. Like, that's what it should be about. It should be about meeting new people. And you know, especially with team sport, you really do see uh, new friendships um, come out of 
nothing and all of my friends really from school that I'm still in touch with now are hockey players or um sports players that I kind of you know trained with or played with or we kind of had something in common but it's um you know it's not um out of place that they are all sporty um so really do get to know different people as well as different sports And what three words best describe Asia for sport? to to start off with because um, I am ridiculously proud of our achievements as a school. Um, second, diversity, because we offer so many different sports at so many different levels. Um, and then finally, and this is the most important thing about sport, is fun. It's got to be fun. It's got to be engaging. There's no point in playing sport really? if it's not fun. And it's something that my captain uh, this season has reminded me before every single game we've played. It's the last thing she says in the team talk. Make sure you have fun. And it's changed my mindset quite a lot this season. Um, and whenever I found it hard in a game or I've kind of disagreed with a bit of a, a decision, I've kind of thought back to the fact, no, this is supposed to be fun. Just leave it. Just get on with it. That's it. Talent, diversity and fun. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so I thought what I'd does AGSB mean to you? Different with this. Um, and I've changed AGSB as an acronym into something different, which I think sums up what it's all about. And I've changed it to A, great, sporting, brotherhood. Um, because it kind of sums up all of those things. We are great. Um, obviously, it's sporting. Um, and also that idea of kind of boys kind of forming new relationships and new friendship groups of people. <laughs> I am completely going to steal that. I'm going to steal that and put that up everywhere. That is superb. I love that. Love that. That's fantastic. Stuff. Hello and welcome to the HB Sports Podcast. I'm Scott Meakin, Head of Sport, and today we have with us Sarah Chancellor, Math teacher and also hockey coach. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing wonderful, thanks, Scott. How are you? Yeah, very good, very good. How are you coping with the lockdown? I think I'm coping pretty well with lockdown. I keep saying this to people when they, they ask. Um, I uh, haven't always been a teacher and I spent 10 years working at a computer, I sat at a desk. So I think from um, a teaching point of view, I'm finding it quite easy. Uh, whereas some of my colleagues, I guess, who uh, are used to being in the classroom and interacting with kids all day, might be finding it a bit harder and especially those that've got children I feel you know really do feel for teachers right now who have got children I know that um you're in that situation yourself you've got more children than adults um yeah. and it's you know it's really difficult for any teacher at the moment who's trying to do a good job for their pupils but also trying to look after their children so um yeah I feel a bit blessed right now that I don't have any <laughs> <laughs> how's the um community spirit around your area Oh, it's brilliant. Um, so I kind of like live in one of the little villages around Altrincham and we've always got a really great community spirit, to be honest. But um, it, it's kind of meant that I've spent more time talking to my neighbours and getting to know some of the ones that I haven't ever spoken to um, because we're in this weird situation. And, and had we not had lockdown, I don't think I ever would have got to get to know them. So it's definitely been a massive advantage. Um, but yeah, there's, I think all around Altrincham, uh, there's been really great community spirit going on. 
you're doing your your own thing for the HSP community with the Challenge Chancellor. Why don't you tell um, the listeners what that's all about? Yeah, so I am a hockey player. Um, as you kind of mentioned, do hockey coaching. Um, and in the summer, because I'm getting a bit older now, I know it's hard to believe I'm not 21 anymore, but uh, my body is starting to break a bit. Um, so I last summer I had the summer off hockey um, because I'm, I just need to give my body a rest. But um, they say a change is as good as a break. And I think that's really important for me um, particularly. So I go running um, and that's kind of what I've been doing um, in terms of Challenge Chancellor. I've been delivering mass books to pupils. So if anyone's listening and they have run out of space in their maths book, and you live in the Altrincham area, so that's anywhere from Hale, Hale Barnes, Bowden, Oldfield Brow, Broadheath, Sale, Timpley, um, then you can send me an email, and I will deliver one to your door. I can't go further than that, because I'm not quite training for a marathon. Um, but it's really been motivational. Um, the other day I did about 10K. It's the first 10K I've ever done in my life. And I never would have had the... Um, kind of the encouragement or the motivation to do it had I uh, not been delivering maths books so I think I'm on 60k right now 60 kilometers I've um, run for about 14 deliveries of maths books Um, and yeah I've I've got some more to go over half term so I'm kind of hoping now to reach the 100 kilometer mark um, with a little scheme so that's my target to myself but to do that I need uh, more orders so if you need a mass book get in touch did you, did you say 14 deliveries yeah so I've done 14 deliveries over my side of Oshingham and then uh, Mrs Capel who is our exams officer she's helping me by doing the other side of Oshingham um, so we kind of split it so together we have um, about 35 to 40 orders wow that's really good What's the um, reaction from the pupils and parents been like when you've delivered them? Uh, Brilliant. Well, most of the time I don't see people. um, So I'm very inconspicuous. I'm like an undercover spy, really. I kind of just sneak in, deliver the book and then sneak out again. um, So that, you know, I'm honouring the kind of lockdown commitment, really. Um, So I haven't really spoken to many, but so many of our boys, and this is where you feel really lucky working at a school like ours, they sent me a thank you email afterwards. Um, and all the people that do that receive a house point because I just think that is such a good demonstration and it's so thoughtful. Um, and um, so, yeah, I'm really quite impressed with the way that the boys are kind of reacting to what I'm doing. I suppose that's only, only right when you're putting out there to uh, deliver the books and whatnot, going above and beyond uh, that the, the thank you is always always nice I suppose yeah I guess so I think I'm just trying to do my bit I think so many people are right now um, and I know that a lot of people have been enjoying listening to this podcast it's another way of people just giving something back and kind of keeping the community together which I think is really important so um, that's kind of what I'm suggesting to my form at the moment is just you know is this something that you can do to contribute a really small little something uh, to contribute to your community and make somebody smile or make them laugh I think that's really important. Yeah, give something back. Um, are you watching any box sets or anything like that to keep you keep yourself busy in the evenings? Yeah, watching quite a lot. Do you know, I I didn't used to watch a lot of TV back in the day, so I'm actually watching Spooks at the moment. That's kind of got me hooked. I love any um, kind of detective drama 
type program and I've watched most of them but spooks bypass me and um so uh, there's quite a few series so I'm kind of working my way through those um but uh, there's lots of other things. I'm massively into the Great British menus as well. That's just finished and I've got a big hole in my life. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm trying to fill that really. I made my dad um, a birthday cake because he was 70 the other day. And um, I made little figures to go on top of the cake. Um, and I even went down to the detail of putting leaves on the branches of a tree, which <laughs> definitely came from watching Great British menus because it was a little bit OCD. <laughs> Well, you find yourself teaching at Altrincham Boys Grammar, but I just want to get a, um, an idea of what your education and background was like. So where did you go to school and what was your uh, education like? Uh, very similar, because I am an ex-pupil of Altrincham Grammar School for Girls. So um, very uh, similar environment, really, and obviously had a lot of interaction um, with pupils that are at the boys' school and therefore quite a good idea of what Altrincham Boys was like and um, I moved around the UK with my old job. I was in about five or six different locations including Scotland for a short period of time and when it came to retraining to be a teacher I knew that I wanted to be in Trafford because on all my kind of travels and journeys at different places that I've lived I've never really worked system like the grammar school system that doesn't mean that I you know wanted to necessarily work at a grammar school but I wanted to work in um in a system like that because I strongly believe that no matter what your background is you should get the best education and I completely disagree with um people being able to pay a lot of money um to go to private school and get a better education than someone that doesn't have any money and I just think that's so important to me um, in the grammar school system. Um, and I know that's something that kind of we're looking to do as a school is to increase, you know, the number of uh, pupils in the future that are kind of underprivileged or maybe don't have as much money. Um, and that's something that's really close to my heart. Yeah, with the uh, the outreach, the scheme that we're, yeah. we're currently doing. Yeah. Um, what A-levels did you study at? Well, we couldn't study PE, which I was disappointed with, but not so disappointed that I wanted to move school. Um, so I did maths, obviously, um, physics um, and biology. Uh, and um, it didn't really disadvantage me. Lots of people say, um, you know, were you disadvantaged because you didn't do PEA level? Because obviously I went on to do a degree in sports science and maths. Um, and it didn't disadvantage me. It was, I got really good advice at the time, um, but I was able to catch up and loads of universities are brilliant um, at kind of catching you up on the bits that you've missed out on. Um, it's the same with maths, actually. Um, I didn't do further maths A-level and obviously some of my course at uni was, again, kind of further maths content, which some people had already done. But um, if you go to a good university um, and they've really thought through their course, they should be able to catch you up on any... A level you know that's not essential that you've done everything biology was a good substitute um I learned a lot of human biology that's obviously directly relatable to PE um yeah. so yeah and it was a good combination but it does sound a bit nerdy when you say you studied maths physics and biology at A level where did you what university did you go to to study sports science and maths uh, I went to Loughborough which was absolutely fantastic and I actually changed my options quite late because I'm a bit of a home bird, really, which is ironic, seeing as though I then ended up 
um, traveling around the country um, after that in my career. But um, Loughborough is the most fantastic and inspirational place, um, both in terms of maths and sports science. So Loughborough originally, before it was a sports college, um, is a massive engineering college as well. Um, I say college because this is kind of going way back in the day. Um, so actually, if you think about a huge part of engineering is actually maths content. So my maths lecturers were absolutely fantastic. Um, they were probably better lecturers than my sports science um, lecturers in general. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would highly recommend going to um, any university that has great sports facilities and I think our boys are so lucky now because loads of universities have really great sports facilities it doesn't matter where you go and what course you do they're all fantastic because universities have really plowed a lot of money into the kind of experience and um, side of, of being a student um, so I would just go somewhere where you can kind of get involved it doesn't matter what course you do um, but definitely look at that side because um, so many of our boys really enjoy sport and PE and I think that's a massive part of university life. Definitely, definitely. What, uh, what, made, what made, you, made you say um, your maths tutors were, lecturers, sorry, were better than the sports science? What, what was it that made them better? Just they were less about them and more about us. They really cared. Um, obviously, we had tutorials and things like that for maths. Uh, which we had less of for sports science. So sports science, you just tended to get lectured at. And um, generally speaking, the lecturers were very uh, egotistical and they'd talk a lot about their own research, which, you know, they were some of the best researchers in the world, so I'm not going to put them down too much. But the, the mass lecturers, you really felt that they would just do anything for you um, and therefore, they're probably much more similar to the teachers that we have at our school because so many of our teachers are really selfless and give so much time to our boys. And, and I think, you know, maybe they didn't have this kind of chip on their shoulder that they were a big deal in research. Maybe they choo uh, chose to be a lecturer because they really wanted to communicate with um, their students a bit more. Um, but, yeah, if you emailed them, they'd email you back and say, you know, come come to my office we'll go through any questions that you can't do um they went above and beyond really all right very good um did you play hockey for Loughborough I did I did but um my career was blighted at Loughborough I was thinking about this last night actually because in lockdown you kind of reflect a lot on your life today I don't know if you've been doing the same um but one of the things that um, after the first year of university I got injured uh, I got shin splints so it was a really long road to recovery um, and I basically did it through overtraining and not looking after my body um, and I spent all of my summer after my first year training, 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 getting really fit. I was so ridiculously fit but I also hadn't stretched, I hadn't um, looked after my body, my muscles um, and, and as a result, I got really bad shin splints um, to the point where I couldn't walk upstairs or downstairs without it you know, being in agony, which is ridiculous. But uh, I guess the sports people were able to push ourselves through so many boundaries. It's really important sometimes that you know what's good pain and what's bad pain. Um, yeah. But it kind of worked to my advantage, really, because um, that's when I took up coaching. 
and I probably wouldn't be the hockey coach I am today had I not got injured at university and I think you know that's a massive lesson um, in terms of the the down things that happen in your life sometimes when you kind of reflect have actually influenced you in such a positive way and even though it's hard at the time being injured I would kind of say to anybody who's been dealing with injuries is um give something else a go get involved in your sport in a different way um and you know you can turn something that's really negative into something that's really positive and it can set you off on a really different path that's very good advice very good advice um what was the social like at Loughborough? Uh, brilliant. <laughs> um, we, we always used to have Thursday morning lectures at 9am and it was a double. So we had double uh, physiology. Uh, luckily, the lecturer was brilliant for physiology. <laughs> and um, yeah, but Wednesday nights were pretty, pretty big and uh, Saturday nights were pretty big. And um, I think especially being part of a team sport, the team sport culture was absolutely fantastic at Loughborough. Um, I think it is for yeah. most team sports. Um, and that's kind of why we play. I sent a message to one of my teammates today. And another one of the things I've been reflecting on in terms of my career is I'm really happy where I am now. And I'm really happy because I've got some great teammates around me. And when you have um, kind of friends and people that motivate you and inspire you like that, that's really what sport is all about. It's kind of bigger than sport itself, I think. Um, and mm. and actually, maybe it's because, you know, I'm kind of getting on a bit with my career. I'm less bothered about playing at the very, very top level now. Um, and... I think, you know, having positive people around you is so important, especially for the mental game. Um, so I would, I would kind of have a look around you. If you're not in a really good sporting environment with a really good kind of social side going on, you know, that doesn't have to be partying the whole time. It can, you know, be, be more simplistic than that. But I think that's such an important part of team sport. And that's why people play team sport, I guess, rather than doing individual sport. No, I completely agree. I mean, getting a, a team spirit with the the, rugby, the senior rugby lads is something that I always try and instill. Yeah. And as you said, it's not just about going out on a Friday night or a Wednesday night, whatever night it is. It's it's having a bigger pool of people to speak to regularly and class as mates. Yeah. Uh, and when you're looking at three-year groups going into one at, in a school sense, um, it's surprising how many boys that are in year 11 end up at the same university that someone in year 13 was at. Mm. And again, the friends are still there and things like that. So it does, it does definitely help. And it is, uh, it's good for the kids. It really yeah. is. Um, so you've mentioned it a couple of times about your career and go straight into teaching. Um, so when you completed your, your degree, sports science and maths degree, what did you do? So um, I kind of decided at Loughborough um, that I didn't want to be a PE teacher. Loughborough is basically um a kind of a machine that outputs PE teachers <laughs> um generally speaking and I I guess I realized I wanted to be a hockey coach not really a hockey teacher and uh, I think they are quite different roles and that's something that I would kind of also advise people when they're thinking about what careers to do in sport there are so many jobs out there and um I haven't listened to James Mazzarella's uh, podcast yet I've not had the time but I will be listening to it after this and uh, he's somebody who's obviously kind of going into sports science as well and um I can see him kind of working at some of the organizations that I did um so for example I started off my career at England Hockey 
And I worked very much on the single system and the junior player pathway, which sometimes I kind of tell people and they pull a face because uh, it was uh, kind of a very controversial um piece of work in terms of it changed so much of what we do at kind of grassroots county regional and national level um but it was fantastic and you know that came a lot from my own experience but also my experience of being a volunteer with my local hockey association at county level and at club level um i went on to organize two major events during my time at England Hockey, one was the European Championships, which were held in Manchester, and the second was the Women's Champions Trophy, which was held in Nottingham. And that really made me who I am today, I guess, um, in that I realised what I was good at. I absolutely thrived off events. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, which people people that um, are taught by me will kind of see, um, you know, I am pretty much um, an adrenaline junkie. And um, events really bring that out of you. So um, I then left England's hockey for a job at the Olympics, um, where I uh, was part of the management team that organised the hockey competition. Uh, it's fantastic, it's such a privileged role um, and a complete dream. And I think from there my career took off because I then went uh, to be the manager of the hockey competition at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. Um, and again, some of my pupils have seen images of me sat next to the Queen, which is uh, the first day of the competition, spent two years organising a competition. And then on the first day, I didn't actually do my job <laughs> because I had to meet the Queen instead. Um, but that was brilliant. Um, and after that, I went to work at UK Sports and Badminton England. Um, and UK Sport was one of the, the best organisations I've ever worked for. Um, if anyone's interested in a career in sport, that is where you should work. You're surrounded by such intelligent, hardworking and passionate people. I have never worked with people like it. And um, I keep saying to people that talk about uh, James Mazzarella, I keep saying, I think Mazza will be like CEO of UK Sport one day. I can really <laughs> see him doing such a prestigious role um, because his head is so screwed on. Um, but that's a bit of a summary, I guess, um, of my career in sports events. Wow. Well, I'm gonna. I am gonna invite you back, uh, back onto the podcast to talk about some of your uh, experiences, your career experiences that you've had um, on the things you've mentioned there, actually. But having been in that environment, and you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times, you said dream job. Um, what then made you leave it and go into teaching? It's a really, it's a really, it was a really interesting time in my life, actually, um, and probably one of the points where I'd say I struggled most. Um, I was going for jobs and I'll be honest, I wasn't getting them and I wasn't getting them because my heart wasn't in it. And, um, you know, I'd kind of, I do not have a poker face um, most of the time anyway. And it was just really obvious to people that were interviewing me. Some of the people actually knew me and they just said, you just weren't yourself. You were nowhere near as um, good as other interviews that I've seen you at. And I just remember coming home and, I felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall, really. Um, a lot of my jobs had been um, contracts. So you kind of have to get the next job. And when you've not got a fire in, in your belly and you've not got a job, it's not a great place to be. And I remember my husband said to me, um, you know, why don't you think about different career? You've always talked about teaching. And I kind of said, oh, but I don't want to be a P teacher. And he said, well, what about math? And I literally 
phoned up a helpline about how you could retrain and potentially, you know, to become a math teacher. And it was so easy for me to do. Um, so I moved back home. In fact, I got married. Um, I relocated to Manchester and I retrained to be a teacher all within a couple of weeks. And uh, so it was quite a lifestyle change, uh, but it was absolutely the best decision. And I've been so happy ever since then. So um, not really looked back to my future career, my, sorry, my previous career too much. Where did you do your teacher training? Um, again, it was a skit, a school-centred initial teacher training uh, based at um, Old Shingle Grammar School for Girls. So, again, very similar environment. Um, and I went to Sale High um, as one of my placements. I also went to Wellaco, which is in Ermston, for a second. And then my third was at um, Alty Girls. Um, and three very different schools. Um, and I kind of really quite thankful for three different placements because it really helped me to know which sort of schools I wanted to work at. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you what attracted you to HSP, but I think I've already answered it with your, your, your upbringing yeah. and the, the, you're saying that you wanted to work in Trafford and things like that. So that's all yeah. rang very true. Uh, so back onto sport then, back onto mm-hmm. your hockey when you started playing I played hockey since I could walk and that sounds a bit extreme but my both my parents played hockey and I literally grew up on the side of a hockey pitch so um in a way it was that I was either going to love it or hate it and I absolutely loved it I've got two brothers and they both play hockey um my uncle plays hockey my two cousins played hockey um we're a really hockey kind of centric family um so I don't think I mean I have done lots of other sports and you know nowadays I don't play hockey with my family we kind of tend to play badminton instead um but yeah I've literally literally been playing since I could hold a stick um and my granddad actually made me a stick out of wood in his garage (laughs) um to kind of contribute to that love for the sport I mean I I know that you're Timpley Hockey yep. Club at the moment, is it? Has it always been? Timpley, oh, no. always? <laughs> so many clubs, it's embarrassing. Um, but what I will say is the only reason that I moved clubs is because I moved house and I wasn't in the area anymore. Um, so I started off playing for East Isbury Mixed, uh, which was here in Manchester. I obviously then went to play at Loughborough um, for three years. After that, I joined a little team called Lutterworth, who play in uh, Leicestershire. And then uh, from that, I went to Buckingham, who are now in our premiership. Absolutely fantastic club. Um, I then played at High Wickham for a little bit, where I met my husband. Um, And then we went up to Scotland together and played for a team called Hillhead, another fantastically run hockey club. Um, And then ended up at Old Loutonians, which is um, where the Olympic training venues were. Um, before coming home to Timpley, which was my club that I used to be a junior at. So it was very fitting to go back. Yeah, (laughs) that's quite a lot of clubs. (laughs) Uh, What position do you Um, play? At the moment, I play in defence because, um, as I said, I'm getting on a bit now. I can't quite uh, run as fast as uh, I used to when I was a forward. And you kind of need to run to get away um, from the defenders um, or, you know, create space, etc., um, but I've literally played every position on the pitch. Um, I can still play midfield. I could still play up front if I wanted to, but it's probably not my preferred position. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> all sports people, I don't know if it's the same in rugby, you probably stay in the same positions. But um, 
yeah, as a hockey player, you yeah. move further and further back as uh, time goes on, really. I suppose in rugby, you could move further and further towards right. the front row. <laughs> yeah. Suppose, and, yeah, get a bit older. Bit. Um, so, obviously, you get, you get the job at HSB um, as a maths teacher, primarily. And then what makes you um, get involved in HSB sport I think then? I Salisbury was very convincing, but um, <laughs> it was also something that I wanted to do anyway. Um, I love kind of having a slightly different relationship with pupils outside of the classroom um I think as a hockey coach I don't want to be a teacher I know that I am still a teacher um and I always will be in the eyes of some of the pupils that I teach but there's also lots of pupils that I'm now much closer to we understand each other so much better and um you know, I've not probably met a player yet who's been in my team who hasn't enhanced my relationship with. And, you know, you can have more of a laugh with them, even in the classroom. You know, they, they're they less intimidated by you, I guess. They see you less as a teacher and a bit more as a coach, um, even though you're in that kind of school environment. The respect is very much still there, but I can't, I can't quite explain it. It's quite difficult to explain, isn't it, really, how it changes when you become someone's coach. Yeah. No, I, I see it. I see the the relationship thing uh, yeah. with the house system, because obviously all my, primarily my experience with the pupils is through sport. Um, but then in being involved in the house system and seeing people within my house doing music, drama, baking, anything like that, um, it does give you a different opportunity to get to know the pupil uh, in a different light and share their their expertise and their interests, mm. which is, it is nice. It is nice. Yeah. <clears throat> and the kids are yeah, thankful definitely. of it as well. So who do you think your biggest influence in sport has been? This is such a hard question because, as you've seen, I've played at so many different clubs and um, every single one of them has moulded me into um, a better player, a better coach, a better person, you might even say. Um, I think the, there's one person that stands out, and this probably comes on to a future um a future question about the best coach and um when I was at Buckingham as I said Buckingham um was a is a really small club we used to have one women's team that was it and they went up from the county league to the regional league um in kind of successive seasons other than one season where they didn't get promoted um and the season that I played for them we went unbeaten uh, in the league all season and we won 18 out of 18 matches and we won the national trophy as well. So we were undefeated through the whole season, which was an incredible achievement. It's so hard to find that consistency um, and to be motivated every single week to go out and play your best. Um, and there were some incredible players on that team, actually. So Zoe Shipley, um, who is in the GB setup, and Joe Hunter, who regularly plays for GB in England, um, as well as lots of other talented players that people won't necessarily have heard of. Um, but it was really about the culture that um, the coach set there. So Zach Jones um, is the Welsh men's coach. Um, he used to play at Beeston. He used to be Beeston men's head coach. Um, and he did that alongside his commitments at Buckingham. He coaches at St. Edward's School, um, which is a big hockey school uh, down in, in Buckinghamshire. And um, he's also done a little bit of work with the GB men's team as well. But he, he's just a fantastic 
coach because his standards are so high. And I think if that's there's one thing that he taught me is how important your standards are. Just turning up to training every week without fail, not giving yourself an excuse or a reason why, you know, you're going to cry off that week. It was never an option to me and it still isn't. Um, I always attend training unless I'm ill because that is the standards yeah. that he set and that I have kept ever since. Um, you know, when I know my fitness isn't good enough, I do hard work. And nowadays that's more doing a yoga session every week to make sure that I can keep playing so my body doesn't break. Um, but he had simple ideas that he practiced until you were perfect at executing them. There was nothing fancy about the way that he played um, or, or got us to play as a team. And I think that taught me quite a lot. And I would therefore say that he's probably had, in terms of a performance angle, the biggest impact on my career. Yeah. I was speaking to um, Adam Gooch uh, the other day and he said something very similar in terms of the only, when you were talking about the training sessions, just go to every training session. Um, don't give yourself any excuses. And he said, um, the only training sessions you regret yeah. are the ones you don't go to. I think that resonates highly. It's, it does, it's a, such a simple part. Such a simple cop concept, but it, it does ring ring true. Um, so was that Jones? Best yeah, coach you played yeah, for absolutely. Then? I think obviously it helps when you've got a team full of future GB international players um, as well. Um, but you know, there's 16 players in that squad. We pretty well probably took 15 to every game. Um, and as I said, loads of those players, you know, people would never have heard of. Um, so it's not just about having your superstars and actually, you know, those superstars only played a small part in our team. Every single player mattered. Um, as I said, that's because his standards were so high. Yeah. So obviously you've, you've mentioned a lot of clubs and teams you've played for, which has been the best team you've been part of? And why is that? I would say um, it's probably going to be Hillhead, who was the team up in Glasgow. And I just think that they were brilliant for... They're a very family club. They play at really, really high levels. So when I was playing for Hillhead, um, I was playing against Scottish internationals who um, were kind of gearing up to play in the Commonwealth Games themselves. Um, and I only just missed out to England. I think the score was 2-1 in the... Uh, England-Scotland game so it just gives you an idea of the standard of those players and those are the players that I was privileged to play against in that league and um, I would just say they made us feel so welcome um, they're a really family orientated club um, very open-minded forward-thinking um, but just the friendliest and you know I could have stayed there for a long time had my um, career not taking us back down to London I would have been happy I probably would still be there right now and um, definitely made friends for life and I think any club that can build a culture where everybody feels included and they feel like they have got sport provision at their level and I think it's really it's quite hard to find that balance and to kind of keep everybody happy um, and that's something that Hillhead did more successfully than any other club that I've been at. All right, thank you very much, Sarah. You've been superb so far. All that leaves us to do is the 2.6 Charity Challenge. You'll get 26 questions. You've got to answer openly, honestly, and quickly. Upon completion, you'll, I'll, I'll ask you to make a donation to the 2.6 Charity. Is that okay? Yes, certainly. Yeah, it's a good charity. Okay, you ready to start? Yeah, let's go for it. 
All right, Sarah, would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? Definitely fly. TGI Fridays or Nando's? Nando's every day. Indoor hockey, outdoor hockey? Ooh. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go indoor because it's warm. (laughs) Gym session or go for a run? Gym session. Summer or winter? Summer because I get a bit of time off sport. (laughs) Harry Styles or One Direction? Or One Direction. I don't get the Harry Styles thing at all. (laughs) Swimming or cycling? Oh, I want to say neither. But when I was younger, I used to love cycling. So I'll go for cycling, but on a flat somewhere like Holland. (laughs) Beer or wine? Wine, you'll be fine. Repair shop or Great British Bake Off? Oh, Great British Bake Off. Adidas or Nike? Adidas, I'm definitely an Adidas girl. One-on-one or penalty flick? Oh, mm, penalty flick because um, I'm probably uh, not as skillful as I used to be. (laughs) Hands for feet or feet for hands? This is a weird one for hockey. <laughs> um, I would say hands to feet because I do quite like a, a nice drop kick in rugby. Skydive or bungee jump? Oh, God, I'm really scared of heights. <laughs> I'm going to go for skydive because I'd lose perception of how high I was. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Oh, that's evil. Um, oh, it's going to have to be Lord of the Rings because um, that's probably, um, you know, I kind of was familiar with the story when I was a child, so um, mm. it was probably a bit more magical. Mike Tyson or Anthony Joshua? Ah, uh, AJ, every day. Captain or social sec? Definitely captain because I'm quite serious about my sport. World record or Olympic gold? Definitely Olympic gold because of the uh, power and the impact it can have on your sport. Score a hat-trick and lose. Don't score and win. Um, I would have to say don't score and win because that's more what happens in my life, <laughs> especially as a defender. <laughs> you don't tend to score that often, but I love winning uh, nonetheless. <laughs> Bench press or squats? Got to be squats. Xbox or PS4? Mm, I'm not really into either, but I definitely would play more on PS4. Hockey or maths? Oh my goodness, no one's ever asked me this. (laughs) Um, It has to be hockey. Good. Um, last few questions I'll give you a little longer to answer okay. what's your favourite film favourite film is probably um, The Imitation Game uh, which is um, about uh, the kind of creation of the first computer and how um, it was used to kind of solve the 
the coding in the world war um and yeah it's got links to manchester and great mathematician and um and also a bit on equality uh because he was gay and uh he was treated so badly because he was gay so it ticks all my boxes very good um favorite band musician or artist hmm so many to choose from um Hmm. Oh my goodness, I'm stuck. <laughs> it's not one direction, that's for sure. I'm going to go with uh, Basement Jacks because um, I just think their music's really fun. It makes me want to dance. It makes me want to run faster. What's the last book you read? The last book I read was called The Silent Patient. I can't remember who it's by. But it is absolutely phenomenal. It's so well written. It's got um, kind of a, a psychiatry angle, but also a bit of a detective angle. Um, and the way that the storylines kind of weave together is absolutely incredible. And the greatest hockey player of all time? <sighs> Had to choose. It's got to be Alex Danson um, because... Um, I went to England Charles with Alex years and years ago and she was so good. It's needless to say that she got in and I didn't. Um, but she <laughs> literally got every ounce out of her hockey ability. Um, and she's probably you know, the most, um, not necessarily the most naturally talented, but the most persistent, uh, the most determined. Um, and I couldn't say that about any other hockey player that I know. What position did she play? Centre-forward, goal-scorer. And finally, who is the greatest Olympian of all time? I'm very patriotic, so it, I'm not going to be going for any foreigners. Um, I'm going to go with Linford Christie, because, which is really kind of out there but he was probably going back to my earlier sporting memory um he was probably the person that influenced me the most during olympic games um and his career in terms of coaching is a bit clouded with a few um dodgy drug scandals but um mm -hmm. uh, which but i can't take back the fact that he really created that olympic inspiration for me I like it. An original answer as well. No one's had <laughs> no one's given before. Nope. <laughs> and they probably won't ever again. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Sarah, for your time. That's been superb. Really enjoyed that. No worries. It's been lovely to speak to you and catch up. No, it's been nice. It's been nice. So thank you for everyone that's listened. Please follow HSB Sport on Twitter and Instagram for any further developments and future podcasts. Stay safe and I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>